Well, good morning to you. It is so good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we have uh, wrapped up a great week of Vacation Bible School, and today uh, some of our children who attended Vacation Bible School want to share with you uh, some of the music that they learned. You're also going to hear from um, Lori, who is one of our directors, who's going to be sharing with you a little bit about uh, what went on this, this past week. And we just want to say thank you to everyone who uh, served. Thank you to everyone who brought children or grandchildren or neighbor's kids or even stole that kid out of Walmart and brought them. Well, however you got them here, thank you for bringing them. We appreciate that so very much. And I want to say a special thank you to our youth. Uh, our youth were awesome this week. Uh, they helped out in just about every facet uh, of our vacation Bible school and did an amazing job for us. And uh, I just want to say thank you to all of our youth for being a part of that. They did a great job. So today you're going to hear a little bit about that. Now, uh, to the chagrin of our kids and our teachers, school starts back in just a little over a month. Starting early in August, I know, that's hard to get excited about that. But now the parents are excited that it's starting early. But just so that you know that uh, we're going to have a back-to-school bash on that first Sunday in August. Uh, after uh, We're going to have it that afternoon, and we would love for you to be a part of that. We're going to uh, uh, have a lot of different things going on out on the back lawn just to celebrate uh, the summer uh, kind of coming to an end for our kids and our teachers and uh, praying over them that God's going to do some great things in the year to come and gives a ch the parents a chance to celebrate the fact that the kids are going to be out of the house a little bit earlier this year. So we're going to do that on the first Sunday in August. So that's like a, a month away, uh, whether you believe it or not. And so uh, put that on your calendar and make plans to be a part of that back-to-school bash on that Sunday evening. All right, we're going to pray together, then we're going to turn the service over to our uh, children and let them show us what they have learned as far as music and all the dancing that they've done a lot of dancing this week. They're going to they're going to show you what it to, what it looks like to move, and uh, they're going to do that for us in just a moment. So let's pray together. Father God, thank you for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for all the many blessings uh, that we have been given. What a great week, Lord. We've uh, enjoyed being able to spend some time with these children. Uh, we thank you for each one who was a part of that, Lord. We, we were so blessed to be able to spend that time with them. Thank you for every person who volunteered their time uh, to serve and to work and to teach and uh, to, to play with these kids and to build those relationships and just love on them. Thank you for every person. And, Lord, we pray your blessings on them. Uh, Lord, we just pray that as we go through our time to, together today, uh, that we will be pointed to the truth of your word and that we will stand on that truth, knowing, God, that that's when we, uh, that's when we, are, that's when we are at our very, very best, when we do what God tells us to do, when we love who God tells us to love, when we go where you tell us to go. And we believe who you are. That's when we're at our very best. So, Lord, just speak to us today through our time together of worship and song. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 
say thank you for getting the privilege to be able to help organize Bible school. Um, I worked with Melissa um, after Zach left to help um, plan and, and do um, execute the Bible school, but there's lots of things I do want to thank people for tonight. Um, we averaged 44 workers every night. Um, our kids' average was about 33. It went up and down every night, and um, we had a, a, an average of about 60 meals served. Except on Thursday, our fun night, it was awesome. We had families here, grandmas, grandpas, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, everybody really enjoyed themselves Thursday night for our big celebration. So if you helped when I call out the um, area, if you'll stand up, I, I want you to see how many people it takes to execute Bible school for um, four nights, Two and a half hours, almost three hours for some of us every night. Um, it, it takes a village. And these people loved on these kids. They prayed for these kids in every area that they went to. So I'm going to start with decorating. We started five weeks ago decorating. So if you help decorate, will you stand up? Um, if you shopped for the food, we had to have shoppers. Um, Oh, y'all keep standing up. I want everybody to see how many it takes. So just keep standing up. If you um, served meals to us in the fellowship hall, the meals and the drinks, if you'll stand up. If you helped at the registration tables to get these kids signed in and put in groups, will you stand up? Um, if you were in the Bible story area and the craft area, if you were in the games, um, the tech booth, they can't stand up, but they're back there. Um, the opening and closing sessions, and if you were one of those people who faithfully walked around and herded cats all week, <laughs> stand up. These are the most exhaustive people, just so you know. Um, this, this is the group that took this Bible school and planted seeds in these kids. Can you give them a hand, please? Thank you again for being willing to serve and volunteer. Um, we had an offering that um, is up on the, at the table, if you can see. We started making a little track because our theme was move it. So we were trying to move through the path. Every slash you saw was $2.50. So our goal was $200. On Wednesday night, these kids blew it out of the park and had $407 raised. 
The offering that we raise will go to Pastor Serrano and his international ministry, and they're going to take it to use it on the kids that they will be visiting and ministering to on their mission trip. Again, we want to thank you, parents who came, brought kids, grandparents who brought kids, um, the church that prayed for us as we built the word move. Um, the week that we had was awesome. Kids had fun. Um, no reported accidents, so that's a good thing, too. The parents and the, or, and the volunteers and the leaders were exhausted, but that's a good, good exhausted. And I just want to say, if you enjoyed this and you, you worked that two and a half or three hours, think about volunteering for a, a children's program here. You don't have to do every week maybe an hour every two months or something. So um, these kids deserve it. This is our future. And um, they need your love and support. So thank you again for letting us be a part of this, and thank you for um, worshiping with these kids. As you can tell, our, theme, our, our title was Ready, Set, Move, and we had a theme song that we sang every night usually twice i'm still singing it in my sleep but the kids love it so they're going to share our theme song with you now
guys. So I got the privilege of every night being able to teach these awesome kids their Bible stories. Um, and aside from that, one of the best parts of VBS was getting able to see your pastor dance around with some kids, too. So you missed out on an opportunity there. Um, but these kids learned a lot of awesome Bible stories, a lot of awesome truths from God's Word. On the first night, they learned all about how Jesus told his disciples to build their house where? Where would they build their house? On the rocks and not on the sand. Um, on the second night, they got to meet Peter. And they talked about how everyone else believed Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus did some cool miracles. He was a really good person. But Peter believed that Jesus was the Son of God. On the third night, they had probably the most important Bible story they'll ever learn. They learned how much Jesus loves them. They learned that Jesus loves them so much that he went to the cross to take on their punishment. And that God loved Jesus so much to bring him back from the dead so that way they can have a relationship with Jesus and they can know God as, as their friend. And then on the last night, they learned how Peter took that good news about Jesus and, and shared that love with every person that he knew. And how, as Peter shared about Jesus, that 3,000 people became to know Jesus as their friend. So these kids learned a lot at Bible school about what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to share the good news with him. Well, I had the blessing of leading our opening and closing worship each night. Um, and let me tell you, I was doing all that with them, and I, I'm exhausted still. Um, but we had a great time praising God together. But um, part of that time was also we, um, we had a, a memory verse for the entire week. And that we learned that and we said that together every night. Okay, so you're going to say it with me? You ready? Here we go. It's from Hebrews 12, verse 2. Let, Let us keep looking to Jesus. He is the one who started this journey of faith. And he is the one who completes the journey of faith. Isn't that awesome? That is what they learned this week. Now, each day we had what we called the bottom line. And that was a truth about Jesus that we kept. That was our theme for throughout the evening. And we would say those together. So the first day on Sunday, our bottom line was we need to do what Jesus says. Very good. And on Monday, our bottom line was that we need to be who Jesus is. And on Tuesday, we learned that we need to love who Jesus is. And on Wednesday, we ended up with we need to share what Jesus did. And this is, this is these kids. They, they, they did this every night, and they are just so awesome. But we have one more song that we want to share with you. Okay, guys, are you ready to do everything to me? All right, back up from the mics. I don't want you to snack into when you're twirling. There's lots of movement in
Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the breath of fresh air this morning to come in your house and serve you. God, as we're reminded of seeing these blessings you have given us, Lord, we just come to you with humbled hearts. Lord, for it's the tithing and offerings, Lord, that are brought before. Lord, we just pray that you ask, we ask your blessings upon them, and we ask that it be gone to this community to continue to spread your word as this week. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Needless to say, there were many very tired adults uh, by Thursday evening, but it's a good kind of tired because... Uh, the purpose behind it was that you got to spend time with the children, and that was great. So thank you again for everybody who uh, brought their kids, grandkids, uh, all those who served. Thank you so much for that. Uh, one of the things uh, I meant to tell you earlier was that I hope you got your, your bulletin on the way in. We have a lot of different uh, things that are coming up in the next few weeks that have deadlines on them where we need you to let us know if you're going to participate uh, one of them is the family ministries team meeting uh, at the end of the month. We've, we're going to go, hey, I want to see how good a miniature golfer you are. We're all going we're, we're gonna to pile up and we're going to go miniature golfing uh, as families uh, later this month. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, uh, none of you are going to beat me at it. So if you think you can, bring it on. And we'll, we'll see what happens uh, on, the, on the course. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1. Uh, today we're going to uh, stay in our series called The Anchored Life. We started this last Sunday. Uh, and we're going to be walking through the book of Philippians together. So uh, today we're going to pick up where we left off last week, and that is in verse number 12 
of chapter 1, and we're going to read down through uh, verse number 26. So here's what the Bible says in, in Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 12. Paul writing says, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for all for all of your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, thank you for the privilege that is to open up the, in, the inerrant, the infallible, the authoritative, inspired Word of God. Guide our hearts, our minds, and our thoughts as your Word ministers to us now. Lord, you know the need of every heart in this place, and we pray, God, that during our time together that your word will meet that need and that we will leave out of here challenged, encouraged, built up. And, Lord, that we will, we will walk out knowing that you have given us opportunities and you have given us privileges that, Lord, we are not to squander away. So guide us in our time of study is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The anchored life. What is the anchored life? And why do we need it? Well, I think the answer to that is, is found in a lot of the, the circumstances and culture that we find ourselves in right now. The first reason an anchored life is important, and especially in today's culture, is because everyone is trying to redefine truth. Everyone's trying to decide what truth is, and everyone's coming up with their own truth. And there can only be one truth. There can't be your truth, my truth, their truth, and everyone having their own truth. There can only be one truth, and 
we know that that truth is found in the Word of God. And so we have to anchor our life on the Word of God. We have to, we have to make sure that of all the things that we are, uh, we have bombarding us, that our life is firmly rooted and grounded and anchored in the Word of God. Because there is only one truth. Romans chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 says this, What then, if some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? May it never be. Rather, let God be found true and every man a liar. In other words, God has the truth. And that's the truth we are to be anchored into and onto. And if we're not firmly anchored in the truth of God's Word, we are susceptible to being swept away by the lies that surround us. Then there's a second reason why we need an anchored, uh, an anchored life. And that's because storms of life are going to come to us. And if we are not firmly established in the, in the Word of God, we will be swept away in those storms. They will, they will carry us to dark places and they will carry us into places of doubt and discouragement. But when we're anchored in God's word, when those storms come, we're able to withstand the, the circumstance that we're in. A wise brother recently pointed out to me that all of us are either coming out of a storm in the midst of a storm or heading toward a storm. I believe that's what you said, brother Bobby, whenever you and I were talking. Paul is sitting in a Roman prison when he's writing this letter. If there's anyone that should be in distress, I would think Paul would be it. See, he's not only in a, in a rented Roman quarters, he's chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Not only is he in a rented jail cell, chained to a Roman guard, but he is awaiting to be tried by none other than Caesar, who is at this time Nero. And guess who hates Christians? Nero. And so, man, if there's anybody that has a right to be distressed, if there's anyone that has a right to see their life being swayed and, and being pulled in different directions, it's the Apostle Paul. But what he's doing here is attempting to encourage the believers in Philippi. And the reason for that is because that they too were under constant attack by the unbelieving culture around them. They too were being, were, were being pulled and pushed and tugged and they too were being told that this is what you ought to do or this is how you ought to do it. And they were being pulled and tugged. And Paul is saying to them, you need to anchor your life in the Word of God because if you don't, the situations and circumstances that you're in right now will destroy your life. It will pull you, it will pull you into a place of doubt, in a place of darkness, in a place of discouragement. Now, he opened his letter to the Philippians by pointing out that the anchored life is a connected life. Brandon shared that with us last week. But in today's passage, Paul tries to encourage these battered believers by pointing out that, that trials are, can be used of God as an opportunity that they would not have outside of their current situation. He uses a word 
that we don't really uh, have a, a, a perfect equivalent to in English, but he uses the word keros. And that's why today we're, we're saying how to make the most of your keros. Now, the Greek word, and you've got to remember that the Greeks were very heavy into philosophy. They were, they were very uh, deep thinkers and, and very intellectual in how they approached things. And for them, the word keros, uh, that word meant a time, it's when time, fortune, and destiny all come together at a perfect point to produce the most optimistic and favorable circumstance that could take place. In other words, here's the way we would say it. It was the perfect time. It was the perfect time. Well, we know that time is under God's authority. We don't really believe so much in fortune because that, by, by definition, is luck. We believe that God is sovereign and directing all things, and destiny simply is God's plan for your life. So if we look at it as believers, we're saying God in His sovereignty, bringing His plan to life in our life to a perfect point when it's the perfect time. Paul is saying to them, I have my keros, and you have your keros. So it is our responsibility to make the most of it as believers. And so he gives them two admonitions that I want to share with you today. I don't know what your keros is. You may be looking at your situation today and just saying, I don't see an opportunity in this. I'm not really seeing uh, God's hand moving in this. I'm not really seeing God's plan in what I'm going through right now. I'm I'm struggling to find the keros, Tommy. You're telling me that God is is giving to us as believers a keros, a time when His sovereignty and His and His plan and His will for our life all come together. And, And Tommy, can I be honest with you? I don't see it right now in my life. Well, he, he, Paul tells us to do two things to help us find that keros. You ready? Here's the first one. Look to see where God is working. Look to see where God is working. He talked about that in those first few verses that we read. From his jail cell, Paul tells us that sometimes God chooses to work in unlikely places. Now, I'm sure the Philippians, along with all the other believers saw Paul's imprisonment as a seriously bad circumstance. In other words, you know, Paul, if there was one thing I could wish for you, it would not to be in a Roman prison waiting to be tried by the Roman Caesar who is Nero. In other words, everybody else looking from the outside would say to Paul, Paul, you're in a bad place, man. You're, you are facing some, some really negative things. You are about to walk through a difficult, difficult situation. However, Paul says, no, 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 wait, 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 hey, pause, time out. It's just the opposite of that. It's just the opposite of that. And other, Paul says, I've been given a keros by God. That's why I'm in this jail cell. It may look bad from the outside. It may look negative from all other perspectives. But God has given me a keros. 
If Paul had decided that he was going to travel into Rome and preach there under any other circumstances, most likely he would have followed the same pattern he did in all the other cities. He would have went into Rome. He would have found a synagogue. He would have preached the gospel there. They would have kicked him out, and he would have been on the street preaching the gospel. Now, if that had happened... He would have been preaching primarily to the poor and the enslaved, the oppressed people in the city of Rome. But now watch what happens. In prison, he's chained to a guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They change shift every six hours. Now, how would you like to have been a pagan soldier chained to the Apostle Paul? I mean, everything, I mean, they were, you're talking about a captive audience. They thought they had Paul chained to them when the truth of the matter was they were chained to Paul. And Paul was sharing with them the, the, the truth of God's grace and the truth of God's love and the truth of God's salvation through Jesus Christ. He was sharing with them something that they probably would have never stood to listen to in any other circumstance, but now they have to. It's their shift. It's their duty. They are chained to Paul. And so they must listen to what he has to say. And these aren't just any Roman guards, by the way. They're Praetorian guards. These are guards who had been hand-selected by the Roman emperor himself to serve the Roman emperor, to serve in the emperor's palace. Paul's preaching, because of his keros, is reaching the very halls of Caesar's royal residence. Now, that's an audience he would have never had had he not been in prison. But not only do we see Roman guards, because he talks about many of them coming and trusting the Lord, but not only see Roman guards, but there's other believers. There's other people who are coming to hear Paul preach in this rented quarters. Because look at verse number 13 again. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ will become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard. And listen to this. And to everyone else. And so now we see those who wish to have an audience with Paul, those who wish to hear him preach, these praetorian guards who have now come to Christ are opening the door and say, y'all come on in, y'all come on in, you you got to hear this. You need to hear what this man's got to say. And we have the people that Paul would have been preaching to on the street now coming into a rented quarter and sitting and hearing Paul preach. Paul said, that's a curious. And it's in an unlikely place. You see, you may not, you may not be in the best situation right now. It, it, you may look at where you are and you, it's hard for you to find a lot of positives where you are. Maybe things aren't well in your marriage right now. Maybe things aren't well at work right now. Maybe things aren't well in your relationships right now. Maybe things aren't well in your health right now. And it's hard for you to find something positive out of it. But know that God can work in the most unlikely places he can bring all things to the good so it's not just the unlikely places we also see in these verses that paul says god sometimes works through unlikely people now 
in the city of Rome, there were those who were preaching the gospel of Jesus, but they were doing it in their own little groups. And Paul points out that some of these people were jealous of the Apostle Paul. Now, here's why. Because they would hold their Bible study and four people would show up. Paul was in a Roman prison, chained to a Roman guard, but yet he may have 15 people come to hear him preach. And so because he had more people listening to him than they had listening to them, they became jealous of the Apostle Paul. Some of them even questioning whether he was really an apostle. Some of them talking him down. I don't know why you would go listen to that convict. I don't know why you would want to hear what that man in prison has to say. I, I mean, obviously he's, he's a bad person or he wouldn't be where he is. And, and so they tried to disparage people from coming to hear Paul preach. Paul's drawing a larger crowd, preaching in jail than they are preaching in their homes or on the street. So Paul says, I want you to hear what what I'm saying. I don't care. How's that? Paul says, I don't care. You know why I don't care? Because no matter why they're preaching the gospel, they're preaching the gospel. They might be doing it for the right reason. They might be doing it for the wrong reason. They might be doing it out of spite. They might be doing it out of love. They might Listen, it doesn't matter why they're sharing the truth of the gospel. It doesn't matter why they're sharing the word of God. The truth is they're sharing the word of God. They're preaching the gospel. I may not like why they're doing it. I may not like the way they're doing it. But the truth is they're doing it. And that's the important thing. Sometimes God uses unlikely people. People that we see and think, well, God could never use that person or in that place. But God does. You know why? Because God is not held captive by our opinions of other people. They may not look like us. They may not sound like us. They may preach a little differently in their style than we do. They may sing a little differently in their style of music than we sing. They may worship slightly different than the way we worship. But here's what Paul says. As long as they're in the book, as long as they're preaching the truth of God's Word, as long as they are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with integrity to the Word of God, it doesn't matter about all that other stuff in other words he says we're getting tripped up over some we're getting tripped up on some minor things here when there's there's major things that are that are happening here you see a keros we can find it when we start looking at where god is working around us and here's what we're going to find sometimes he works in very unlikely places and sometimes he works through very unlikely people. I, I remember when Rhonda and I, we, had, we were newly married and we were, we were in our home church. And I, I remember the first time I saw Marty Watkins. Marty Watkins walked into that church. I'm going to tell you, he had hair down about right here. He had his Hell's Angels jacket on. He had leather pants. He had chains hanging all over the place. He wore his sunglasses. He refused to take them off. 
And he, he had his, I mean, he was, de- he, was, he was a hell's angel. By the way, he wasn't just a hell's angel. He was, the, he was the sergeant of arms. Do you know how you become a sergeant of arms in the hell's angels? You must kill a man and not get caught. Marty was a sergeant of arms in the hell's angels. Now, you want to see a shock in a church, you let Marty Watkins walk in in that kind of gear right now and sit down next to you. You probably, whether you mean to or not, you probably want to go, hmm. Are you going to stretch and say, oh, I got to go to the bathroom, and you're just not going to come back in. But he came because his wife sang. Terry had a beautiful voice, and she was a Christian, and she would sing, and she begged him, come hear me sing, come hear me sing, come hear me sing. And so Marty started coming to hear her sing. Well, God got a hold of Marty's heart. And saved him by his glorious grace. Now, folks, that's an unlikely person in an unlikely place. Now, Marty, yeah, he, he, he cut his hair. He quit wearing the, the leather because he exited the game. It, at the cost, it could have cost him his life to do that, by the way. That's how willing he was to serve Christ. Marty was called to preach the gospel and pastored churches for many years. Now, folks, I want to tell you, sometimes God's keros is an unlikely person in an unlikely place. Trinity Baptist Church in Monroe became a place of keros for Marty Watkins, an unlikely person in an unlikely place. There's, there's one other thing that to, if you want to recognize your keros, not only look where God is working, lean on God's promises. The last verses that we read are some, some of our favorites. I think we, we talk about these verses a lot. For me to live as Christ to die is gain. Being torn between the two worlds. Wanting to be at home with Christ, but wanting to be here with the people that he loved. Paul had that same struggle that you have and that I have. Pa- Paul understood that, that he was, he was a, a traveler on a journey through this world, that this world was not his home. It, was, it wasn't his final destination. It, it, it wasn't his all in all. He was a traveler through this life. He was on a journey, a, a journey that, that began the moment he gave his life to Christ, that one day he would stand before an almighty God and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. He understood that. Twice in verses 19 through 26, Paul says, I no. Now that's confidence, by the way. And the confidence that he's speaking of is in promises, two promises that God has given that affect the life of the Apostle Paul. First, he tells us that he is confident in God's promise to hear our prayers. He talks about that in verse 19 and verse 20. There are believers all over the known world that are praying for Paul while he's in prison. While he's awaiting for trial, they're praying for the best possible outcome. They're praying for God to deliver him out of that jail cell. They are praying that God will touch the heart of Nero so that if Paul comes before him, that he will not have to taste death. They are praying on behalf of Paul. And Paul's confidence here is not in the prayers of the people. His confidence is in the God who promises to hear those prayers. That's where his confidence is. He's saying, here's what I know. There's a lot of people praying for a lot of different things uh, that concern me. But here's what I know. That God hears 
my prayers. God hears your prayers. That's why he has such confidence in that, in that jail cell. That's why he's, he's chained to that Roman guard, knowing that that guard could literally take his life should he choose to do so. He's preaching the gospel to a man carrying a sword. To a man who holds life and death in his hand, he's preaching the gospel to him. You know why he's so bold? Because there's people praying for me. There's people praying for me. And I'm not so much... Listen, my confidence isn't the, the kind of prayer that you're praying. My confidence is in the God who's listening to that prayer. And that's what he says. Lean on the promise that no matter what circumstance you're in, no matter what your situation may be, no matter what... Uh, area of life you may be finding yourself in a struggle know that god hears prayer in fact if someone says to you i'm praying for you can i tell you something they just did the most awesome wonderful amazing thing for you than that could ever be done they could write you a check for a million dollars and you know what you're going to do with that million dollars yeah you've already spent it hadn't you You're going to blow it. And guess what? No more million dollars. But when they pray for you, they're talking to the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills that they stand on. They are talking to the one who said, let there be, and there was. They are talking to the one who is the giver of life. They are talking to the one who with just words can create everything that there is. They are talking to the almighty God who has all knowledge, all wisdom, all understanding, all discernment. They are talking to the God who has all power. And they are talking to the only one that can make a difference in your life. They are talking to him for you. And listen, can I tell you something? That is the greatest thing they could ever do for you. And here's what he says. My, I, I, I'm going to lean on the promise that God's hearing your prayers. I'm going to lean on that promise that God is hearing your prayers. So he says to them, here's how I want you to pray. I want you to pray that Jesus is going to be exalted in whatever situation I may find myself in. That the gospel is going to continue to go forward no matter what the outcome of my situation might be. He's not asking the Philippians to pray for a favorable verdict. He's asking them to pray that his witness will be bold and that the glory of the name of Jesus will be exalted above every name. He truly believed that God could use him to point people to Jesus even in the worst situation. No matter what you're going through, can I tell you something? Whatever it may be that you're going through, may your prayer be, may my prayer be this. Lord, I don't like what I'm having to go through right now. I don't like this situation. I don't like this circumstance. I'm not in the best place right now. But Lord, I know you hear my prayers and here's my prayer. Glorify the name of Jesus in me and through me while I'm walking this journey. Lord, take what is seen by everybody else as a bad situation. Lord, make it my keros so that it's the perfect time for me to share the gospel and someone to hear it. Can I tell you something? In the situation you're in right now, you can share the gospel with people you could not share it with if you weren't in your situation. You can bless people in your situation that you can't bless outside 
of your situation. He was confident in, in, the, in God's hearing the prayers, but he's also confident in God's promise that his plan was best for Paul. Paul says, you know, I, I know what I want. I, I want to go to be, I want to go to heaven and be with Jesus. That's what I really, 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 really want. He said, but here's what I, here's what I believe. I believe he's going to leave me here. And the reason I believe he's going to leave me here is because you need me. And he says this, God's got the best plan. God's got the best plan. And, I, and, and that's what he's confident in. At this juncture in, life, in Paul's life, he didn't know whether he was going to live or die. Nero, the emperor, could put him to death or set him free. And it, it could have been that, you know, he's praying that Nero's in a good mood and lets him out. However, he could go before Nero, and Nero had just got bitten by his dog and sentences him to be headed. I mean, he doesn't know what the outcome's going to be. But here's what Paul says. Whether I live, whether I die, God's plan is the best plan. God's plan is the best plan. I may not always understand it. I may not always like it. But God's plan is the best plan. And he trusts in that. By the way, fear is the number one reason most believers don't make the most of their keros that God puts before them. But if we're confident... That God's going to hear the prayers of the saints that pray for us. And if we're confident in the promise that God's plan is perfect for us, that fear gets swept away. So here's how I want to close our time together this morning. First, I want to speak to that follower of Jesus. You know that you have surrendered your heart and life to him. You know. You know that. You're confident in that. Then here's what I want to say to you. Good circumstance or bad circumstance? God can use you right where you are. God has allowed you to walk into that circumstance. Not because he's punishing you. Not because he's mad at you. Not because for some reason he has just forgotten about you. But God's letting you walk into that circumstance. Because that's where he needs you to be. Right now. But I don't like it, Tommy. I get it. I get it. I know what many of you are battling in your, in your lives right now. And I, I get it. I, I wouldn't want to be there with you, okay? I want to be there for you. But I wouldn't want to be there with you. Because I know you're walking through some dark times. But can I tell you something? God can use you right where you are. He can make your circumstance a kairos as his follower. He's presenting you with a keros that you could have never had in any other way. There's things he's going to teach you right where you are. And there's ways he's going to use you right where you are that he could not teach you and he could not accomplish through you anywhere else. Now, for those of you who don't know Christ. Can I tell you something? Today is your keros. He brought you here for a purpose and a reason. You may have decided at the last minute you were coming today, but you know what? God already knew long before you did you were going to be here. And he brought you here for a purpose and a reason. You know what that purpose and a reason is? So he could tell you that he loves you and that he wants you to be a part of his family. 
And it, today is the day that he brought you here so that you can become a part of his family by repenting of your sin and receiving his son Jesus. Today's your Kairos. Look to see where God's working. It can be an unlikely place and unlikely people. Lean on God's promise that he's going to hear your prayers and that his plan is perfect. Today, what are you going to do with your keros? You've been given one, but what are you going to do with it? Oh, how easy it would have been for Paul to sit in that jail cell and sulk, wouldn't it? Can't believe I'm having to go through this. I don't deserve this. I've not done anything wrong. They're accusing, falsely accusing me. I could lose my life over this. Those sorry, rotten people who put me in this place. And he could have been sour. He could have been bitter. He could have been filled with fear. He could have been filled, filled with doubt. He, and he would have had every right to feel those things, don't you think? But instead, he says, I see God moving. It's an unlikely place, but I see God moving. And, I've, and I'm just going to lean on these promises that he's going to hear the prayers of those who are praying for me and that his plan is going to be the perfect plan that I, have, that I need right now. And with that, he became bold in his prison cell. Today, what are you doing with your keros? If you don't know Jesus, today is your keros to know him. It's the perfect time. Believer, what are you doing with yours? Just a moment, we're going to stand and sing. This altar is open. If you need to come and kneel and pray, you're welcome to do that. If you want to pray right where you are, can I tell you something? God can hear your prayer from a pew just as good as he can in this place. But sometimes he wants you to make something public and do something publicly as a display of your faith. If you need someone to pray with you, pray for you. I'll be down front. It may be that today you don't know Jesus and you know that today is your time. He's given you this opportunity, the perfect opportunity, and you want to know him. I want to introduce you to him. If you'll come, I'd love to meet with you right here and share with you how you can know Jesus personally. Make the most of your keros. Let's pray. Lord, we must confess that in our finite minds and in our finite understanding. We don't always understand why we find ourselves in the situations that we find ourselves in. We're going to confess to you, Lord, that we're not always happy with where life takes us, the situations that we're handed. But, Lord, here's, here's what we do know, that you're good. And your God. That Lord you can take. Whatever our situation may be. And you can use it. For your glory. Lord may that be the prayer. On every heart. Of every believer. That Lord no matter where I go. Good bad or indifferent. On top of the mountain. Celebrating with a. Shout of rejoicing or in the valley weeping. That Lord you'll use us. To bring glory to the name of Jesus. Lord I pray for that one that may be sitting in this room right now. They don't know you personally. This is all, this is all foreign to them. 
But Lord, how I pray that right now as you speak to their heart and they hear your voice, that they understand that this is their Keros. It's the perfect time for them to surrender their life to you. Lord, so that you can work in them and through them to do things they never dreamed of. That you can be glorified in their situation no matter what that situation may be. In these next few moments, Lord, will you help us, believer and non-believer, to make the most of this Kiros. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you love us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing together.
uh, Brother Jose said uh, would like to speak to you for just a second. Uh, you can remain standing. Uh, and I'm just going to, Brother Jose, after you speak just a word, if you will, just dismiss us in prayer. And I'm going to go ahead and run to the back, okay? All right. Praise God. You may be seated for just a sec. Thank you. Uh, this is the kind of time for me. Uh, time, fortune, destiny. Definitely. Uh, we headed to Costa Rica on the 14th of this month. A couple, uh, couple weeks from now. And uh, Sister Nancy and Brother Lady with the kids, uh, Lori, surprised me when they say the offering that we'll be taking will be for the kids for our ministry. And uh, that, that was a surprise. I mean, we were not expecting anything, but she approached me, which... Uh, all right, this part of the car. I had my grandkids this week, past week. We had a great time with them. That was a kind of time also for me, believe it or not. Uh, and they were able to come and participate also with, uh, with the uh, BBC, BBS, BBS. And uh, well, that's part of it too. And uh, uh, taking this offering to these kids, to our pastors that works there, uh, and we're also going with another ministry called uh, Miba, a hand open, open hands. And uh, the name of, we name our ministry. Uh, in the same what the Lord showed me. And uh, I believe it's in Isaiah 53, uh, verse 12, he say the trees of the field will give um, a uh, claps or applause. Another ministry is applause. Apostle, pastors, leaders, administering in unity his work. That's applause is. So we connect with different people, and different people do things, you know, to help our ministry later much, and we appreciate everything. I know the Lord will provide and supply every need according to his riches and glory. We know that. Uh, and at my 62 years old that I am right now, uh, truly, when you're in the military, they say uh, that uh, you are 10 years older than the regular American. So I should be at about 72 right now, you know? i tell you the truth. I, I feel it, you know? I feel that. But the Lord wants us to still take this ministry beyond, and people appreciate it. For the fourth four uh, years, I've been meeting with pastors every Friday, and we haven't missed one 
every Friday at 9 o'clock at night, and they connect through Zoom. Before the pandemia, uh, through the pandemia, encouraging, motivating, learning, and they are very appreciative. And so, and you are going with me to this trip. The kids go with me. Uh, we are sent, so whatever you put that treasure, uh, whatever amount, I can't remember the amount, but whatever it is, it go with us. And I really appreciate you as my brothers and sisters. I'm so proud of this church. Um, and the pastor that received me and welcomed our ministry here. And we're doing our share. You're invited whenever we go to a trip. If you want to go with us, uh, we teach you how to do that, okay? And it will be a blessing to you. We put you to preach as well, you know what I mean? So, or teach or whatever. And I thank my wife. I always be standing on my side. And thank you, Nancy, also for your patience. As I told her about four years ago that I was one day going to sing here and hasn't done that. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's coming. Amen. It will come. Amen. I sing every day, every Sunday. But God bless you. Thank you very, very much to each and every one of you. I love you. You, my brothers and sisters, keep praying for us. Please keep praying for us. Amen. So let's dismiss ourselves in prayer. Father God, I thank you for your presence and with the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the word today. You always encourage us every single Sunday. When he, we hear your prayer, your, uh, the message Whoever preached, Father God, you have something for us, and we appreciate that, Father God. Thank you for the love that you have shared in our hearts. It's you loving through us to others. We no longer live, it's you who live through us. And Father, I thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord. I bless our congregation here, Father God, each and every one of them are very special for you. And I thank you for them. And we go in our separate ways, giving you glory and praising other and reflecting and meditating on this message for this week. So we'll see a kind of time in any area of our lives as the pastor preached today. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you and you be dismissed. Amen.